Hey, I'm Pastor Mike, and thank you so much for taking time to check out this message. And I hope that it inspires you. I hope it pushes you either towards a relationship with Jesus or further along in your relationship with Jesus. But we would never want this message to replace the reality of what it means to be involved with a local church. Although I'm excited that you're checking this out and I, and I hope it speaks to you, let me encourage you that you need to be involved in a local body. There's something to the fact that you need to be under the authority of the spiritual lead of a pastor and involved in a community that can push you uh, further along. We are meant to be in community. So enjoy this message, but let me encourage you to be seeking an opportunity to be involved with a local church. Let me jump into uh, this week's teaching. Really, really excited. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about legacy. And, and last week, specifically, we talked about legacy from the standpoint of like a theological type of thing. And if you remember, we talked about heaven and kind of what it's like to be rewarded uh, in heaven. And that we, you know, that whole YOLO thing is, is dumb, right? You only live once. That's not true. You live twice. You, you live here and you live in eternity, right? And what happens in eternity is based on how you live here, right? So we talked a lot about that scenario, but um, I want to kind of pick up from there because if last week was theology, today is inspiration, right? So welcome to Pastor Mike's pep rally today because that's what I feel like today. Like that, my, my job today is to inspire you. My job today is to light a fire inside of you. My, my job today is to stoke the coals that maybe have gotten just a little bit cold and we need to get the fire going again inside of us, all right? And so I want you to come with that kind of expectation as we kind of jump into this. So let, let, me, uh, let, let me read this verse to you from Ephesians 4 and 1. It says this, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now we read that verse and we go, that's cool. That's nice. And then Monday morning comes. Right? And all I'm trying to do is get the children out the door without killing someone. All, all, all I'm trying to do is just try to get the bills paid. And, and, I'll, and so what I want you to understand is there's an interesting thing with the Bible that sometimes actually messes up the way we read it. And what I mean by that is this. They added chapters and verses to the Bible, but it wasn't originally written in chapters and verses. They did that to make it easy to find stuff. I'm glad they did, and that's all cool. But what happens is, is where there's a chapter divide, the original writing, that was meant to just flow all together. So let me go back to the verse before this verse, because it's in the previous chapter. So we have a tendency not to read them together. Does that make sense? 
Are you following? So we don't read them together because they're separate chapters. We'll read this chapter, then the next day we'll read that chapter or that type of thing. But let me put them together. So go back to Ephesians 3, 20 actually and 21. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Who's got a good imagination here? Anybody got a good imagination here? Anybody make, I mean, you can come up with some stuff, right? I love, we have been friends with the Buckners for 20 years now or something, right? And I love, it's funny because my girls, because Don's got quite an imagination. Businessman, entrepreneur, and all this. And so when my kids were little, literally, seriously, we would say something like, oh, wait till we go out to the ranch. Miss Don, Mr. Don did something new. And I remember one of the girls one time going, did he build a roller coaster? Right? Because they expected this kind of like crazy imagination. I wonder, I wonder if there's some of us who have lost a little bit of imagination. Maybe, maybe life has, has pushed us down a little bit or beat us down a little bit and we've forgotten this verse. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Is it my power? Is it your power? It's his power that is at work within us. To him be glory where? In the church, right? That he's going to do it through the church. That he's going to get his glory through the church and through what the church does, which is his people. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. My fear is that we end up living ordinary lives. Because you were not designed to live an ordinary life. You were designed to live an extraordinary life. You were not designed to live an attainable life. And this world would love to tell you, be safe. Do what you can. Make sure you save just enough and you do all this stuff. And we're all in such fear trying to figure out and make sure my 401k is just right. And this is just right. And that's right. And it's all on me. And I need you to hear something this morning. Take a deep breath and relax. It's not on you. It's not on you. That needs to be good news for somebody. It's not on you. It's on his power working with inside of me. Right? We were created to live extraordinary lives. Christianity is boring when you just do the same old, same old. I mean, that's why there's a lot of people leaving churches and leaving the church. Right? Because we're just going to do the same old, same old. Like, okay, it's time to do VBS again. And I'm not dogging anybody if that works for them and that's all great. But all I'm saying is this, is there comes a place where we lack imagination. We lack creativity. And why? Because we've gotten focused on this earth and on our power instead of on eternity and his power. Right? The reality that we're to live in his power. I want to say this to you. Failure is not when you don't achieve a goal. It's when you don't have one in the first place. Failure is part of success. Come on, son, anybody, anybody out there succeeded, but you went through a whole bunch of failures first. How many times did Thomas Edison fail before he created, right, the light bulb? I mean, the, the, the reality of, 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 of that God means for you to struggle and strive and to continue and persevere and pain is a part of it, but you've got to put some things out in front of you. So I went back, I was curious, I went back and the very first sermon series that we did when we launched this church 
The sermon series was called Dream Again. And on that first morning when we launched Church of the Lakes, we talked about the reality. What does it mean to dream again? What what does it mean to to stir, to, to pick up those things and blow the dust off these old ideas or dreams or thoughts that people told you that's never going to work, that's never going to happen. You can't do that and you bought it. And you looked in the mirror and went, no, I can't. But you forgot. You're right, you can't. But you have the power of God on your side. You have the power of the Holy Spirit invested inside of you. You know that power that raised Jesus from the dead, a little stuff like that. That lives inside of us to stir us and move us forward to great and immeasurable things. So I, I like to do this thing where I write out BHAGs. Does anybody know what a BHAG is? Big, hairy, audacious goals. Okay? A BHAG. You need, listen to me, you need some BHAGs. If you don't have some BHAGs, then you're probably living in a boring, ordinary life. And that's why you're getting frustrated every day. Because there needs to be something bigger than me. Even secular sociologists talk about the concept of transcendence. Right? Something bigger than me. We've talked about it. We talked about it in the last series, if you remember, that the way that we get over or deal with the problems of this world is not to get over them because they're going to keep coming. It is this world. Jesus said you're going to have problems. It's to continue to live something bigger than our problems. Right? Bigger than me that I can focus on and be a part of. So... I had some BHAGs that I gave you on that very first Sunday. These are some of the, 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 the big, hairy, audacious goals that I had on August 13th, 2017, when Church of the Lakes lost, uh, when, we, when we launched. Here, here are some of the goals that I had written down. I want to marry my girls to someone I love. I know they're going to love them. I want to love them, too. You know what I'm saying? Right? Like, I... I <laughs> Yeah, anyway, uh, I, I wrote down, I want to go on a Mediterranean cruise. Come on, somebody, that's, you know what I mean? That's what's up, right? A Mediterranean cruise. I've looked in some of those, like, Viking cruises that go up the little river one. Yeah, see, and that's some good stuff. Like, you need to dream, you need to think. Here's another one I wrote down, and this is what I gave you. These are the ones I gave you two, year, two years and three months ago. Leesburg, full of business with the best schools around. Now, for some of you, you just went, whatever. Come on, because we lose sight because we get to the point. But where do we sit right now, two, two, two years and three months later? Right in the middle of Leesburg High School, doing our best to figure out how we can make a difference here and make a change. Right? And who would have thought, listen to me, who would have thought two years and three months ago, who would have thought that we would have a benevolent center run by church people in the middle of Leesbury High School? People would have thought we were on drugs if we said we were going to do that. Yet it sits right there, and we'll be doing life steps in there in just a little while. And we had a Muslim doctor write a check to buy $1,300 worth of materials for the, this week, right? The, the rea- listen, the reality of what it is for us to live beyond ourselves. Here's another one I wrote down. Lowest crime rate in Florida and the lowest divorce rate in Florida, right? Can I say this to you? I reminded the children's ministry yesterday. We had a training with them. I reminded the worship team last night. I need to remind you why we set up and take down every week. Because that gets old. Right? Like last night, I pushed those golf carts out there from the back. By myself. That big old heavy golf cart's a lot of fun. When you get to the double doors over here and you try to hold them open by yourself and pull that through, you look like the Three Stooges. Okay? So that was me last night while they were... Listen, 
Why? Why do we do that? You know why we do that? Because last week when Randolph called me and said, here at the school, we need to do a teacher appreciation. I said, no problem. How much do you need? He said, 350 bucks. Boom. We wrote him a check. The teachers got Italian ice and we told him how wonderful they were. That's why, listen, that's why, because, because we have money, you guys have given towards the rock. We had that guy write a check, but in our bank account sitting over here earmarked, there's a thousand dollars for the rock for the next time there's a big need in our church bank account. Listen, that's why we're setting up and taking down every week, right? It's, it's the vision and the understanding because I want to try to create the, the, the best school. I want to try to, to help lower issues within our... Here's another one I wrote down, and I love, love when I look back at this, because here's what I gave you that day, that maybe one day we could open a teen center with mentoring. And for those of you who are new here, you haven't heard, uh, we just leased a building because we're about to launch a teen center with mentoring, right? And, and the reality, I put another one here. Here's another one. Listen, I put to have a debt-free congregation. And I meant that for you individually and for our congregation. So small groups in February, we're going to have Financial Peace University as one of the small groups for people to be able to take, right, and do that scenario. But we also, listen to me, our church owes zip diddly ding dang dong. You understand? Listen, this is why we're doing it the way we're doing it. This is why we make it inconvenient for ourselves, right? Listen, we can make it convenient for ourselves and not be able to reach as much, which means life is inconvenient for others. Or we can inconvenience us and try to make their life more convenient and reach them with the gospel. Remember the word that God gave us when we were first launching the church and we studied through the book of Acts and he gave us this saying, Wonder precedes the word. If you make them wonder, if you make them go, why are you doing that? If you, if you, if you, if you got teachers here that are like, how come the church bought us Italian ice? That's kind of weird. Why would you do that? Well, let me tell you. See, wonder precedes the word. You serve your way into the opportunity to share the gospel. You serve your way into the opportunity to share who it is that Jesus Christ is. And so, Man, I, yeah, so I added a couple more for today. Here's a couple more that I've just added. I want the majority of our church to go on a mission trip. And that, that includes you old people. Don't be looking. This is not a Passover message. You don't pass it over to the person behind you. Listen, because the reality being that when you go and you smell it, that's the difference. You see it on TV, but once you smell it, that's a different scenario. And it'll change your life forever. You got some struggles with your teenagers? Send them on a mission trip. Let them go see what it looks like for a family to live in a refrigerator box. It'll change their life, right? And so I I have that as as one of my BHAGs. I put on here, and here's where you start getting kind of crazy. I would like to restore 25 churches. Here's what I mean. The United States is going the way of Europe. Europe, there are cathedrals, stained glass cathedrals that are now nightclubs because old traditional churches could not keep up or meet the current scenario and meet. And so they're falling apart. We're now seeing that in the United States. So one of the visions that we had when, when Don and Wally and I were sitting in Perkins talking about this crazy thing called Church of the Lakes was what if instead of churches dying out, we either helped them relaunch or we brought some people to relaunch that so that kingdom property is not lost, 
right? And so that they are trained up and, and equipped now to reach this next generation in the best way for them. So I added that. I want to see 25 churches restored because of the efforts of this church. I put here, I want to create a vibrant, spirit-filled culture where people are prayed for, cared for, and we see miraculous transformation. Come on, somebody. But we've let the world wear us down. We've let life and what we vision here in the here and now and the earthly things drag us to this place. But listen to me. If Ephesians 2 and 10 is correct, it says this. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know what that means? That means we have a God-ordained legacy to leave behind us. And our job is not to figure it all out because it's not in me and it's not in you. Our job is to follow the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us and guiding to that place. That takes the pressure off. Now it's hard because it's something called submission. (laughs) And none of us like to submit. We like to be in charge, especially us guys. You know, we're taught to be the man and all. But the reality being is, is that we all are to submit to what it, God, what is it that you have preordained for my life? What is it that I'm meant to do? That means we have this God ordained legacy. Parents, it's why we talk about, you got 936 weeks. Do you know what that means? From the time they're born to the time they turn 18, you have 936 weeks. What are we doing? What is your goal at 18? What is it that you're trying to produce in there? And then you need to schedule your time and their activities. Don't put them in every activity on the planet and drive you yourself and your family crazy. Figure out what it is that God has designed them to do, what he's calling them to do, what they're good at, and put them in that place and see if it works. My girls have done all kinds of different activities, some of which we got done with it. We went, oh, no, not that one. Right? But the reality that there's a, like, there's a goal, there's a legacy. What is it, mom and dad, that you, you should be having conversations about what is it that we want to create at 936 weeks? Maybe you're 45 and you're going to retire at 65. You know what that means? You have 1,040 weeks left until you retire. What's the legacy that you plan to leave? What is it that, that, that God is, but then I started thinking about what are our, what are our legacy stoppers? What are the things that, that cause us to stop? Let's jump into this. So your first fill in there is this. It's a wrong view of self. A wrong view of self. Listen to me. Humility is not when you think less of yourself. It's when you think of yourself less. So the whole, well, I'm not, and I'm not good enough, and I don't know. That's not humility. As a matter of fact, listen to me, that's pride. Because it's my way of thinking is is bigger than God's way of thinking. Because God doesn't think that way about you. When God looks at you, you are my handiwork. You are a masterpiece created with purpose and meaning inside of your life. And so humility is just that I think less of myself and more of him and more of others. God sees greatness in you that you do not see yourself. Psalm 35 says that he will stoop down and make you great. And for some of you, I fear you don't believe that anymore. 
I fear that words that have been said to you that have tainted your view of yourself so much that you do a really, really good job of coming here on Sunday morning and putting a smile on and everybody says, Hey, how you doing? Oh, blessed and highly favored, you know. When the reality is that when you look in the mirror, there's a negative emotion that comes. And I need you to hear again this morning. You have got to consider your view of yourself because it's stopping your legacy. Because you're beautiful, ladies. And God created you just like you are. Stop comparing. Like I laugh because like you see people on Instagram because we compare on social media. Like you see people on Instagram and they use a filter. Then you see them in real life and you're like, oh, hey, <laughs> hey, I didn't, I didn't, didn't recognize you. How you doing? Come on. We continually, continually compare their highlight reel to our real dumb day. And that comparison, that view of yourself, we focus on what we lack to succeed by the world's standards instead of focusing on what God has put us in to accomplish his purposes. Right? He's, he's, he's put things inside of you. So we deal with things like, number one, there's insecurity. We deal with insecurity. Right? I don't, I don't listen to me. You gotta find some people around you who are gonna speak life into you. This is why we do small groups. You've got to find some people around you who are going to look at you and say, I see worth in you. I see value in here. here. Here's what talents I see in you. Here's what abilities I see in you. And they speak life into you. Another issue that we have in that view of self is fear. Fear. Fear sets in. I don't, I don't know if I can and I don't know if I will. And, you know, that's all words that have been spoken of you and bad ideas of who you are and yourself. Listen to me. You can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. All things, if it is within his purpose, I don't care how crazy and huge it is, you can do it. Not because you are adequate, but because his power is adequate. Come on, I'm preaching a little bit better than y'all are responding right now. You understand what I'm saying to you? The reality of the power of who he is inside of us. You're measuring yourself by others instead of the God that is in you. There's a God inside of you. And if you're going to look at Instagram to decide who you are, or social media, or Facebook, you are going to constantly be looking at everybody else's filters, which is just Louisiana talk. It's just cock-a-poo-poo-tee-tee. -tee. You know what I'm saying? It's not real. It's not real. Yet the God who is inside of you is very, very real. You're not supposed to look like that person on Instagram. You're supposed to look like you. We need you. We don't need another person on Instagram. We need you. God designed you and he placed you in this place to be something amazing that's part of his purpose. You know the words that I think a lot of us fear? You're weird. Right? Come on, let's be real for a second. Let's just talk. Well, you're kind of weird. I am. What, what, what do I need to do to, to be normal or to fit in or to be accepted? Come on, every single one of us. And teenagers, I need y'all to hear something. That's every adult in here all the way up. That's not just y'all. That's us too. Talk to any one of them here and see. If we don't fight this thing inside of us that's trying to fit in and be weird. Can I read you a verse? 
First Peter 2 and 10, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a consecrated nation, a special people. I, I love, this is from the amplified, the amplified version, right? The, 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 a special people. In some of the, in some of the uh, translations, it says you're a peculiar people. I, I love that. And you need to hear that. If somebody says you're weird, you should go, oh my gosh, thank you so much. That's exactly who God's called you to be. We're not supposed to fit in in this world. We're not supposed to be normal in this world. We're supposed to make them wonder. Why? Because wonder precedes the word. That gives us the opportunity to tell them who Jesus is. Right? The reality, it's, it's, can I just give you permission today to be weird? How about that? If, if maybe you get nothing else today, go home today and say, Pastor Mike said I could be weird. But listen to me, be weird in the reality of let's don't do what the world does and what this world does. Let's conform to the likeness of Christ and who he is and, and recognize the power inside of us. Man, the, the last one of those that I would give you is just reluctance. We're reluctant because of our view of ourselves. Well, we procrastinate. We kind of push it off. You know, maybe I'll do it. Listen to me. Get moving. Get moving. We have wasted enough days. We've wasted enough hours. We've wasted enough minutes as the people of God. Fearing what the world might think of us. Fearing what people might say. Comparing to social media and all this. And all the time, the power of the resurrection living inside of us. Wanting to do unbelievably greater things more than we can think or imagine. That's what the word says. Right? Okay, good. There's a couple people that are with me today. That's good. Right? The rest of you, you know, I'm preaching about 73% better than you're responding right now. All right. I'm kidding. First Peter 2 and 9, sort of. I want to read that again, but you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. That you may proclaim the praise of him who calls you out of darkness into marvelous light. Here's another legacy stopper. It's the wrong view of people. Come on, somebody. Life would be a lot easier if it wasn't for people. How's my own daughter? I'm not sure how I should take that. <laughs> Life would be a lot easier if dad wasn't around. Anyway, <laughs> let me say this to you. Hear this. People are not someone to avoid. They're someone to love. That's easy to say on a Sunday morning. That's different tomorrow at work with that person at work. That kid in your English class or on your ball team. That person who sits at the dinner table where you eat dinner. Right? And you just kind of think, is there really such thing as a muzzle for human beings? <laughs> right? Listen to me. How are you looking at your coworkers? Um, how are you looking at traffic? I'm going to say it. How do you look at villagers? Whoa, 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 whoa. We got villagers up in here. Don't be hating on the villagers. Let me say this to you. Here's a wrong view of villagers. Do you realize that we have the economy we have in Leesburg because the villages is there? Many of you here make your living because the villages is there. 
See, that's a different view. Do you see what I'm saying? How quickly we'll go, oh, villagers or whatever, right? Or snowbirds, they're clogging up 27. Get out of the left lane, you, right? Come on, but listen to me. The reality of us changing our viewpoint to go, whoa, 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 whoa. God placed me here for such a time as this. That I might love. That, 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 I, that I'm supposed to make a difference in their life. How are you looking at your spouse? Because after a few years, come on somebody, let's be real for a second. After a few years, it's been a few years, you know what I'm saying? Let's be real. So how are you looking at your spouse? Have you gotten dry in that reality? I mean, do you look and just kind of go, oh yeah, hey, good to see you again. Well, you know, and then, and then you walk out of the house and you see somebody else. You're like, oh my gosh, how are you doing? Right? How are you looking at your kids? Anybody got teenagers? Mm, pray for the people with the teenagers, right? Let me say this. I'm going to pray for the teenagers too for putting up with you. It's all about perspective and how we view other people. Some of you, let me ask you, how do you look at your family? <laughs> Thanksgiving's coming. For some of you, we should change the name to stress giving. You know, you got that one aunt that she's got a little bit of a beard and when she kisses you, it feels weird and talks too much. Come on, listen to me. How do you view people? Listen to the way. Let me ask you how Jesus viewed people. Because if I remember correctly, he's hanging on a cross dying. And the people who just nailed him there, he's, his, these are the words that our Savior said. The guy that we're supposed to be following, the guy that we're supposed to follow in his footsteps, he looks down at them and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's our heart as followers. I did it this week because I was prepping this. I'm in the left lane. And there was a lovely person riding about 35 miles an hour in the left lane. And plenty of room to get over. That's not funny, God. So, but I said this. I was like, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> now, as funny as that is, you need to use that this week. Do you hear what I'm saying? In all reality, Father, they don't know. Because they don't know they're aggravating you as much as they're aggravating you. They don't know that they're being silly because they're deceived. Because those in this world, as scripture tells us, they're deceived. Right? They don't understand. There's, there's a deception into their reality. Listen to me. If you're a Republican, just don't hate. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Right? If you're a Democrat, just don't. Listen to me. Fight for what is biblical. Okay, let's fight for what is biblical, but listen, but let's stop winning arguments and win people. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? The, the reality of how do we look at people? Let me ask you, well, let me say this to you. When you go to lunch today, your waitress, she doesn't have an attitude. She has emotional scars. See, it's just perspective. One of our legacy stoppers and one of our big ones is the way we view other people. 
And then the last one is a wrong view of God. It's a wrong view of God. We forget that we serve this huge, immeasurable God. A God who spoke all of this into existence. Like, how cool is that? Like, just poof. Like, I can't, like, how do you do that? I don't know how you do that. I don't know what it looked like. I want to see the YouTube video when I get to heaven. Right? Like, what it looked like for the, the planets and the stars to just go, yes, sir, and jump into place. Right? That, that's who our God is. So we, because we have the wrong view of God, we dream safe dreams. We dreams, we dream dreams that we know we can handle. Right? Because we've been hurt or whatever. You need a few goals that are obnoxious. You need some BHAGs. You need some things that you can't do. That is only going to happen if God shows up. Come on, somebody. That, that's, that's where exhilaration of life happens. If we're just going to do the same old, same old, and, you know, well, I got about, I got about 22 and a half years, and then I can retire, and then we'll have exactly $475 a month, and, come on, this is, this is what the devil does to get us into this place where we don't, we don't dream again. We don't, we don't think bigger. We don't, we don't pick out. I want to live a life that is so big that it cannot happen unless God shows up. Come on. Listen to this verse, Jeremiah 32 and 17. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arms. Nothing is too hard for you. Some of y'all got some stuff right now, some situations, some doctor's reports, some family things going on, and I need you to hear those words. Nothing is too big for your God. Nothing is too big for your God. And because nothing is too big for him, I know him. I know him, and, and we're in relationship. And so you know what that means? That means there's nothing in his will that's too hard for me to do either. There is nothing too hard for you to do that is inside the will of God. And so let me challenge you to live life a little more on the edge. I want a church that is over its head. (laughs) Do you hear what I'm saying? Like, I want to be in a church where we're going, I don't know what's going to happen next. God, you better do something. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, we can do the old American church of like, well, let's just show up and, you know, summertime we do VBS and we do Sunday school and we're going to buy a building and get some debt going and pay our mortgage off. Then we'll get one of them thermometers going and get y'all to pay off the debt. Come on. Right? No, 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 I don't want that. That's not what God's called us to do. God's called us to live extraordinary lives. There's something more. So when people look at us, they go, what the heck? Wonder. Wonder precedes the word. Right? I, I want to live something big. A place where we go, really, God? I don't think I can do this. And he goes, yeah, I know. Watch. Right? Greater themes. This this kind of the theme verse for today. Let me read this to you from John 14 and 12. And I'm going to get, get blowing here. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith, faith, faith. Anyone who has faith. Today's all about faith. What's so amazing and so awesome is Jen Parker and I didn't plan together at all. And yet her words of what was sung today 
We're just amazing with how God ties it to what we're talking about today. Because I want to talk to you about faith. What is faith? Hebrews tells us it is the substance of things hoped for. The substance is the right here and now. It's the what I can touch in my hand. It's, it's, I, I can, this is substance. It's the substance of something hoped for. In other words, when I lose hope, I won't see the substance here in the now. Faith is the hope that God is who he says he is. It's the hope that God says, I can do all things. It's the realization that he says, I'm going to give you. Jesus looked at them and said, do do you remember the verse that Jesus says to them? You're going to do greater things than I did. What did Jesus do? I did little stuff like raising people from the dead, stuff like that. Healing blind people. Just little stuff. No, these are huge. And he looked at us and he said, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And my Holy Spirit empowers you to do what you've seen in me. How come we don't do that? Because the devil has gotten us to settle in, in the United States, to this comfort, selfish version of his church. Instead of a version that says, we're going to make ourselves uncomfortable. We're going to believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and we're going to step out and do things that we just go, please God show up or we're going to crash. That is who he's called us to be. Christianity is not some safe, predictable church thing. I want to challenge you to live a greater things kind of a life. Pray for greater things. Look for greater things. Listen to me. If you came to church this morning and you're looking for predictable And you want to make sure that when you show up, your seat's available on Sunday morning. And you want to have the same old, same old. And you want to argue over the style of music. You came to the wrong church. I'm just going to say that to you now. Because that is not who God has called us to be. That is not who God has called the church to be. You know who who we're supposed to be? We're supposed to be people that will do anything short of sin to reach the lost. That means I will make myself completely uncomfortable if it'll reach one person. That's a greater things kind of a life, right? You start getting to the size of our church and people would start saying things like, well, they're just all about the numbers. They're just looking for numbers. Can I, can I, can I clear that up real quick? We are cared about the numbers. Guilty as charged. You know the number of people that go to heaven instead of hell? The number of kids that get off drugs and go on a mission trip. Yeah, we're all about guilty as charged. We're all about the numbers. The reality that we are called to do bigger, greater things and not just sit around and play church, right? If you take this journey with us, it will change everything about your life. But you're going to need faith to go on this journey. So without faith, listen to me, without faith, you have a boring, lifeless, no legacy kind of life. So I want to finish up, and I'm going to give you three points from a story and close with this. But I want to tell you a story real quick that's in the Old Testament, it's in 2 Kings. And, and to set it up, for those of you who may not know the story, back in these days, there was Israel was the whole nation, but it was divided into two kingdoms. And the northern kingdom was called Israel, and the southern one was called Judah. Now, the king of Israel and the king of Judah decided, we're going to get together with the king of Edom, which is another culture. And the three of us are going to go against this one country. And I love that because you know what it is? It's this predictable, if we get more people from them, then we can take them. It's all about us. We have all the power. It's not a God thing. 
It's not God telling them to do this. It's just them kind of stacking the deck. Let's read 2 Kings 3 and 9. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah to the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days. Does that sound familiar? Roundabout march for seven days? Do you remember the story? The story was called Jericho. You know what they're doing here? They're using an old miracle. Same thing we do in the church. Well, that's the way we've always done it around here. Come on now. Right? They're, 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 they're using an old miracle to see if they can prompt God to do something for them. The army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. What? Explains the king of Israel. Come on, you got to read your Bible and make it fun, right? Has the Lord called us three kings together only to hand us over to Moab? But Jehoshaphat asked, now Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah, okay? He asked, like, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord through him? They have not yet to inquire of the Lord until what? Until they got in trouble. How about us? How about us? We do it all in our power till we blow it. Oh God, please fix it. Right? This is, this is, this is, this is us. This is you and me. Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord? And an officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, the son of Shaphat. That's an amazing name. His mama hated him. Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, and the king of Edom went down to him. And Elisha said, I love this response. Elisha says to the king of Israel, what do we have to do with each other? Go to the prophets of your father and your prophets of your mother. Elisha was not real interested in what they had to say. He didn't like them a whole lot, right? And the king said, no, no, no. The king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to, to hand us over to Moab. No, the Lord did not call you together to get handed over to Moab. The Lord did not put you in that bad situation that you have put yourself in. You put yourself in that bad situation. Stop blaming it on God. That's our story, right? Like we get ourselves into trouble. We get ourselves into a bad situation. And we go, oh God, what are you doing to me? That's it. That's, that's us. That's, that's our story. It says, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together, hand us over to Moab. Elisha said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you or even notice you. Now, let me just give you, I, I love this because he loves Jehoshaphat, but let me just give you a little side note. So here's a note for you, okay? Never name your child something that has fat in it. It's just weird, okay? So that's, that's a little side note for your parents in case you're expecting. Um, Three things we want to take from this story to help us with our faith this morning. Second Kings 3 and 15 says, but now listen to me, we're at battle. They're going to overtake us. We're going to die. What does Elisha respond? But now bring me a harpist. What? Bring me a harpist. We're going to war and you want mood music. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon them. Where's Tara? Tara, come here for a second. Come here, help me for a second. Right? Let me show you why. Let, let, let me let me let me show you why and what, and what we can take from this. So so these batteries are about to die. We're doing amazing with uh, microphones today. Hello. Hello. Hey. Okay. So place place a little something. Feel that? 
room change? Stop, 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 stop. There it goes. Did you feel it? Let me, let me show it, let me say it to you this way. So I would say to you as a pastor, I would say, hey guys, turn your eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes on eternity, right? Or, go ahead. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Come on. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his wonder and grace. Do you feel that? Keep playing. You're helping me. Listen to me. Here's what he says. He says, bring me a harpist. Why does he say, bring me a harpist? Well, because faith is birthed in God's presence. Do you know why you're struggling with your faith? Because you don't have any presence. Because we come here and Tara and, and, and Jen and, and the whole band here, Kayla, these guys, they all, they all lead us in, in on this music. And we're here and we're singing, oh, raise a hallelujah, stomp the devil in the face, yeah. Like, right? And then you go home, stop. Your house sounds like this. We, we come and we worship. Go ahead, go ahead. And, 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 we, and we find ourselves in God's presence here and in this place. But our job is not to create presence for you. Our job is to stir you towards finding God's presence for yourself. So we come and we worship and we do that. Stop. Then you get in your car. And then that dumb light out there. Why is that light so long? And I'm talking about. It is for real. Like, what are we doing? Like your inner demons come out. Raise a hallelujah. What is going on? Listen, 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 listen. When you're out there at the light, turn some worship music on. Go ahead, go ahead. Tomorrow morning, you know what you need to do? You need to turn some worship music on. The only way you're going to have faith for tomorrow is for you to have God's presence. Right? Come on. When you come home from work and you just want to like kill everything that breathes. Come on. Right? Turn, turn some worship music on. The reality of, of faith is born in, is, is birthed in his presence. Look at this next thing and it says, 2 Kings 3 and 16. So he says this to him. You would think, okay, he brings the harpist and we find the presence of God. And so now God's just going to make it happen. Right? Now here's what he says. Look. He says, this is what the Lord says. Make the valley full of ditches. God is so funny. All right, you want to win a war? Uh, go dig a ditch. What? What are you talking about? You, what? And here's the reality of it. God just, just doesn't give us what we need because that's not the way this works. Because it's called relationship. See, he's not Santa Claus that we just ask our list to. Right? That's, that's not who he is. He wants to be in relationship with us. And so number two is faith has to go beyond inspiration to perspiration. Right? Or participation. Right? The reality is, is I got to get involved. You, you got to do something. Let go and let God. Y'all know how much I love that bumper sticker. I 
don't believe that's what the word says. I get the idea, but listen to me. There are a million if you, then God statements in the Bible. Why? Because it's relationship. Because he wants us to interact with him. He, he, he's like, all right, dig a ditch. Why am I going to dig a ditch? And then he shows us and we go, oh, okay. And it's this process that we have relationship with our God. Right? We, we have an office now for the church. I thought about this the other day. We have an office now for the church. Really cool, nice little office that we found. You know what was cool is we moved from the theater to this bigger place in an office and we pay half than we paid at the theater a month because of the way God orchestrated it. But listen to me. Well, when we started the church, our office was this big. P.O. Box 490612. Right? But that God would take, let me look around the room. We got a little more space than this now. Would you not agree? But the reality of saying, God, what do we do? And so we just dug. We didn't know what we were doing half the time. I don't still know what I'm doing half the time. I don't, y'all. Whether it be Ark or our elders or my wife and my kids, make me look really smart. And I'm just this dumb redneck from Mississippi that God decides to use. And here we are. And when you live that kind of a lifestyle and go, I don't know what I'm doing, but okay, God, what do you want me to do today? And I'll walk in your power and I'll walk in what it is. I'll dig ditches. I'll do whatever it takes. Some of you need to get to work. Some of you need to dig some ditches in your dig. Second Corinthians 3 and 17. For this is what the Lord said. You will neither, see this, you will, you will see neither wind nor rain, yet the valley will be filled with water. You and your cattle and the other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also hand Moab over to you. Number three is this. Faith continues regardless of what it sees. Faith continues regardless. People who are living a great legacy, they put their hope in the unseen and not in the things that are seen. Some of you today are discouraged, and I would say this to you. Turn your eyes to Jesus. The author and finisher of your faith. So my job today is just, and I hope you feel a little bit stirred. And I know there's pushback inside of you. I I know there's still voices of the way you view yourself, the way you view other people, the way you view your God, these legacy stoppers, these things. And here's what I want to do. I want to give you an opportunity to put some of those to bed today. And so just a few minutes, our prayer team is going to come and we're going to open up the altar and let you come and pray with somebody. Or if you just want to come yourself and kneel down and do business with God. But listen to me, this is the dig part. Don't get up and walk out of here and not respond to whatever it is that God is saying to you. Right? Because I'll tell you this, you have a choice. You can get up out of this seat and go, well, that was kind of fun. I laughed a little bit and that was kind of cool and inspiring. And get up and walk out and here's what happened. You'll get the same week you got last week. The same stuff, the same problems, the same struggles. But what God says, if you'll dig a little bit, and I think our digging today is maybe to come pray with somebody, is to respond in some way today. Then God will meet you in that place. How can you respond today? Well, there's a connect card that's there in your experience guide. Maybe take your connect card and fill that out. Maybe one way you could respond today is to write on the back of it your prayer request so that our prayer team can pray for you on Tuesday. If you're a first-time guest, fill it out for us so we know that you're here and we can welcome you and we make it real easy. One of the other things that you can mark on there is today... I make a first-time decision for Jesus. Something inside of me is drawing me, and I don't understand it all, and you don't have to understand it all. Can I tell you? I don't understand it all. I've been doing this a long time, and I'm still trying to figure out God, right, sometimes? 
We don't have to understand it all. But there's a God who loves you. And if you will surrender your life to him, he will make it more, immeasurably more, than anything that you could think or imagine. So today, you could make that first time decision and come pray with somebody. Or maybe recommit your life today. You can give. We've got boxes in the back for you to be able to give, to drop your tithes and offerings in. But can I just say dig today? Does that make sense? Just dig. Just, just, what is that for you? Close your eyes for a second. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us each. Close your eyes. Holy Spirit. Speak to, speak to us. How do we dig today? What's, what's the next step for me? What is, what is a response that you want me to have towards this? And would you just take a minute with your eyes closed, do business with God there where, where you are, talk to him, listen, listen, be still. I know it's hard to be still and be quiet, but listen for his voice. The prayer team's going to come now up front. Be prepared to receive you, but just take a few minutes and ask God. Would the prayer team come on down? what I'm asking you to do. Open your eyes and now dig whatever that means for you. If that's you and you need to come now and pray with somebody, come on. Come on, they're ready to receive you here at the altar. Come down and pray with somebody. Deal with something. You need healing today. You need a a struggle that you're dealing with today. Come on. Come on and and, and deal. Come, Come down to the altar and spend time with him today. And for the rest of you, listen to me. I want you to dig in whatever way that it is that God just put on your heart. Okay? So don't just get up and move. I'm going to walk off the stage in just a moment. And you are welcome to go whenever you feel ready or feel comfortable. Ready to go get your kids. Drop off your tithes and offerings in the back. Just don't rush away from the moment. Maybe take a moment look back over your notes. Holy Spirit, what, what is it that you said to me? What is it that really jumped out at me? Now give me the courage to respond in whatever way that you would have me respond. So take just a few moments with God before you go today, and I'll see you guys next week.